0: October, for whatever reason, you know, becomes this focal point of this month as a pastor appreciation time of the month, uh, of the year. And I just want to speak to that as we get into the month of October, and this church has been so generous. Tracy and I have been here serving for a long time, and uh, many times different things. People get up, and they say, we want to thank our pastor, pastor appreciation. And I guess more than ever, I'm not interested in that. And I want to just explain to you why. I appreciate the love and the appreciation. um, But what we've figured out is God's doing something in this season of the church (laughs) where everybody is starting to understand Jesus is actually our pastor. Like, really, for real. And there are so many things going on in so many directions that you are being pastored by Jesus through so many people right now. That it just doesn't seem fitting for you to kind of focus in on an individual uh you know even though uh, tracy and i are in a lead role here and we um, are humbled at that and appreciate that but i just want to encourage you take some time to value and appreciate people that are introducing you to the true pastor heart of god whether that's community group leaders team leaders table leaders um, whatever that may be, just people you're serving next to, when they've introduced you to the pastor heart of God, will you think of that in terms of pastor appreciation and extend appreciation to them? Maybe write them a card. You know what the most powerful thing you can do for somebody is? is to explain how God used them to impact your life for his kingdom. I mean, you know, that's a beautiful thing to get a card like that, uh, and, and then they might just keep it in their Bible as a, to commemorate. You know, we're making a difference, and I'm appreciative of that. So uh, that's our focus this month, happy pastor appreciation. Thank you for helping introduce people to the love of Christ through the pastor uh, gift that you carry in whatever capacity that may be. And I, I, you know, there are just so many different things happening. I, I do just want to mention a group of us went this last week to an event where um, our church family actually received a really special award, and it's called the Community Impact Award. And they had us, you know, come and receive this, this expression of, of thanks for making such a difference in the community. And as they began to read the statistics of the impact that we had made, I mean, it was really overwhelming. And I just thought, I am so thankful for so many people who so faithfully, generously love, serve, and give. I mean, we're making a major difference in many respects. And uh, a special thank you in celebration to Austin and Dana Davis. Dana is our online director. She's the regional director for Care Portal, part of our team, a volunteer uh, leader in our church. And um, we want to celebrate them for all the work that they're doing because that was really largely what this was about. Care Portal and resources to help families that are fostering children and the impact we're making. But we're celebrating them specifically today, and I know they'll be online with us Uh, Because they just had, well she did it, he helped, but she just had uh, another baby. So congratulations, and we just say thank you very much. So lots uh, stirring in this season of the church. I just found out that we're actually going to be featured on TBN Europe, which will be interesting. Um, They want to talk to us about the table. And what it means to mobilize the church in a way that we actually are not just trying to inspire people, but we want to empower people. Uh, And so I I want us to talk about that. I want us to really start to sense and see what God is uh, desiring for us to, to do individually to become as the sons and daughters of God. We're not striving to... Um, to pursue that type of recognition or get an award. I mean, you know, those are all secondary to everything. All we really want to do is just serve the heart of God, right? And, uh, and I just am so thankful our church family so sacrificially loves, serves, and gives <laughs> to see the kingdom expand in the earth. And I think it's important that we... Um, learn to discern what God is saying in the midst of every circumstance and situation and not just what we're naturally thinking. I'm going to take us into a little bit of an understanding of that today. Uh, We've been talking about the table. We're going to continue in this, but we're going to turn a corner in this focus just a little bit. How many know October tends to be a month where there's a lot of emphasis on spiritual things, um, specifically spiritual darkness? And I I want us just to look realistically and from a biblical vantage point, what is going on with all of this? Is spiritual darkness just some spooky nonsense, or is there a reality that exists, and do we need to be aware of that, and how do we function in that? And let's just point first and foremost to the Bible. Let's go to the Word of God when we have questions about what's taking place. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, very clearly says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against authorities against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms I want you to understand something there's a spiritual battle taking place there is a spiritual battle taking place and you and I are actually equipped by God to engage in that battle not everybody does And and many people, just out of not knowing how to engage in that battle, simply refrain from being involved in spiritual warfare in terms of actively advancing the kingdom. But what you have to understand is that which is logical doesn't mean that you're not only not advancing, but it could mean that you're losing ground, And so we need to be spiritually activated in this. And we're going to talk just a little bit about something the Bible describes. And it's interesting because we've been talking about the table of the Lord. But we're going to talk just a little bit today about what the Bible describes as the table of demons. I mean, this is like real stuff we read about in the Bible that we don't really look at. I mean, have you ever even thought about what this is? Or have you noticed it when you're reading Scripture? The table of demons. What is a table of demons all about? Seems fitting in uh, the month of October. We'd start to kind of look at what is this, what's really taking place in all of this? And so the Scripture that I'm referencing is 1 Corinthians 10, verse 21. And I want you to understand, it's a choice you have to make. There is no in-between. This is really important. You have to make a choice. You're not neutral. You're never in neutral. You're either moving toward who God designed you to become or you're moving away from who God designed you to become. There is no neutral place. So are you moving toward that or are you moving away from it? And we see this so clearly. You make a choice, it's one or the other, the table of the Lord or the table of demons. You can't choose both, you have to choose one or the other and we'll understand a little more of this as we venture into it today but first Corinthians 10 21 says you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too you can't do both it goes on and says you cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons so you can't partake in both you have to choose one it seems like an easy obvious choice wouldn't you agree Like, I want to choose the table of the Lord. I'll choose option A. (laughs) And so, I mean, it does make sense that would be the logical conclusion. But here's what I I want us to understand. The Bible speaks of um, enmity with God. Before you accept Christ, maybe some of you in this room or some of you online, you have not actually prayed to receive Christ you've not come to the cross of Christ where Jesus died for the sin of all humanity and truly surrendered your life Because that's, that's what you have to understand the Bible says you are an enemy to God until you stand at the foot of the cross and surrender. That's what enemies do. If they stop fighting, they surrender. You you get this. So you were an enemy to God, and then you surrender to the cross, and now you're no longer an enemy to God. He adopts you as family. I mean, that's how loving and gracious this heavenly Father is. He wants you to become a son or daughter of God. How many of you um, have given your life to Christ? Just raise your hand real high. Let me see. How many of you figured it all out, cleaned yourself up, before you gave your life to Christ? Don't anybody raise your hand. Okay, uh, you're a piece of work. I'll just tell you that right now. How many of you know that's true? Every single one of us. I mean, we're on this journey of just trying to figure out what is it that the Lord's desiring in this season of our lives. Um, Man, we just make so many mistakes, even after we come to know the Lord. That's the problem with the world. They look at Christians, and then they judge God based on imperfect people. This is what we've learned. Imperfect people, even who know the Lord, love us with an imperfect love. But the perfect God of of heaven loves us with a perfect love. And that's part of of growing in, in the church and so, as an enemy to God, then you give your life to Christ and you become part of the family of God. But this is what you have to understand. In Romans 8, this is a really elaborate study that I've been doing and I'll probably preach into some of this next year. But the Bible speaks of how there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Man, that is great news once you come into Christ Jesus. But after, after it makes that statement, then it says something to this effect that the sinful mind is hostile against God. In other words, you can be a Christian and still have these existing hostilities in you that are trying to resist what God is trying to do in the earth. And you have to deal with and address those sinful hostilities that exist within your soul. They could be called strongholds. I mean, we could talk about them in many ways. But the issue is, I'm just learning more and more. I think I've Fessed up a couple of weeks ago when I was talking and, uh, and Tracy and I were having an interaction and, and, and my interaction went from interaction to reaction. Has that ever happened to anybody? And a little bit later, uh, she asked me, she said, what was that reaction all about? I said, honestly, I think reactions are just helping me see where I'm immature or insecure. And I think many times that's what's happening. A reaction is coming out of us because there's some hostility that has not been addressed. And we live in a world, listen carefully, we live in a world that has tried to tame Christianity into a self-serving religion. And Jesus is having nothing to do with it. You have to die to yourself if you're going to live in him. And if we make Christianity this self-serving religion, it's just accommodating me. It's not confronting me. And we need to be confronted. The Word of God is like a a hammer. I mean, it's like a, a rock. I mean, it's just, you understand, it is something that it begins to break things up within us that need to be broken. How many of you in the room need to be broken a little bit so that you'll be available in the hands of God Almighty? I mean, we just need the Lord to do a deeper work within us so that we can become more of who He's called us to become. And when we start to listen on that level and pay attention and cooperate and interact with God on that level, then we start to have a sense or an ability uh, that is beyond the natural ability. It's called spiritual discernment. And if you're going to eat at the table of the Lord and not migrate to the table of demons, then you're going to have to learn spiritual discernment. Because I'm going to tell you something that might blow your mind. The title today specifically is Human Reactions and Common Sense. Human reactions and common sense can get you in a world of trouble. It can be justifiable, understandable, logical, explainable, and problematic all in the same. How many of you know man's logic is deceiving? The Bible makes this very clear. Now, I'm going to point something out to you in Scripture that's kind of wild, but it's this conversation Jesus had with Peter, and he reveals how human reactions and common sense actually can have their origin in that which is demonic, the table of Demons. Matthew 16, 21 to 23. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside this is peter right after jesus said peter you're the rock i'm gonna build my church on this rock of revelation i mean he had already affirmed peter in an amazing way and now peter in maybe the strength of that conversation takes jesus aside and begins to rebuke him saying far be it from you lord this shall never happen to you but but he turned and said to peter this is jesus get behind me what satan He said, you've stopped eating at the table of the Lord. You've moved over to the table of demons. Your logic has taken you into a conversation now that's not aligning with what God is doing, releasing his kingdom in the earth. How many of you know it's easy to do this? He says, get behind me, Satan. You're a hindrance to me. For you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but you're setting your mind on the things of man. Peter's persuasive words to Jesus were identified as satanic. I mean you've got to process what I'm saying and think about how this applies to you because if you're just living life like a normal Person walking through the earth like everybody else, trying to apply a little bit of religiosity and a little bit of Christianity, then you better understand you might be actually feasting at the wrong table because there's some hostilities in you that have never been addressed that God needs to deal with so that you start to perceive and discern something beyond just that which is natural. We're not trying to convince you to be good people and apply religious principles so you can be a better person. I'm telling you, the cross of Jesus Christ requires that you die. You must die to yourself if you're going to live you have to die to yourself if you're going to live come on everybody help with that that is not a common happy word in the church world that we live in but we receive it as the word of the living God in Jesus mighty name human reactions and common sense can be practical, understandable, justifiable, explainable, and demonic all in the same. That's why it's so important that we surround ourselves with people who are discerning to what God is revealing. Not just positivity, but deep spiritual reality, the revelation of Christ that has the power to transform somebody who has been in a drunken stupor for two decades, that power is the power I'm talking about. Not just tossing some nice, logical, religious, prayerful rhetoric into a situation to satisfy a request for prayer, but releasing something of substance and value that I stand here to you today, and I'm doing more than just giving you a bunch of words that formulate and shape a religious concept, but there's substance coming out of heaven into our hearts today. Do you believe this? Come on, men and women of the Spirit. There tends to be too much common sense in the church and not enough revelation. (laughs) Church leaders like me, we need to be delivered from the leadership enterprise that has so infiltrated the church that we do church like the world does corporate. The church is not an organization. Contrary to what... Many books are saying in the world that you and I live in today, in this generation, the church is not an organization. The church is an organism. She's alive. And and we need to find the life of Christ in the organism of the church. The purpose of the church is not that we come into a room and this be the fullness of going to church, but that we gather together and the fire and the power and the strength of the Spirit of God is imparted into our hearts. And when we walk out of here, we walk in a greater strength everywhere we go, carrying the power of God Almighty to the world around us. Hey! I'm finding myself really stirred up after speaking at this men's event all weekend long. There was one point, one of the messages where I was preaching, I actually did that. I, I, I just, I don't know why I do that, but sometimes I just get so full to overflowing that I just have to express it in some other way, I, and I just, there are hundreds of guys in this room, and, and I just did that. I was preaching my point. I was like, hey, and then all of a sudden, they started going, hey, <laughs> and like for 60 seconds, like it was a full minute, we were just yelling at each other and didn't say anything that anybody understood, but man, it was fire, fire. God wants to do something beyond that which we can comprehend and understand in the natural. And we have packaged everything up so nice and neat in the church that we've almost become completely ineffective in society that needs us to be awakened and shaken out as salt. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Nice packaged salt in a salt shaker will never change anything. But when you turn it upside down and start to shake it up and shake it out, then salt has an influence wherever it's going to land. The church has been nice, sweet little salt shakers long enough. We've got to discern the word of the Lord. I guarantee there's an appetite being awakened in our hearts today for something more than where we've been because God has taken us to places where we have never known existed for the church to rise up in strength and power. Mm-mm-mm. In the church world, coupling a little bit of revelation with a whole lot of ingenuity can lead us exactly to the wrong table. Without exercising discernment, we live in a state of reaction to circumstances rather than responsiveness to God. I remember um, my mom, she's around here somewhere. Oh, hey, hey, mom. I remember my mom walked up to me. It's been a few years ago, yeah, maybe. Maybe. And she said, I just want you to hear it from me before you hear it from anybody else. I've been to the doctor, and they found a spot. It was a lung cancer was what everything said. She said, they went and looked at my back, and it's toward the back of the lung. And she, just, she told me the whole thing. And I remember, I mean, I'm, I'm just standing there looking at her, and I didn't, I didn't register uh, anything kind of expression and I know it weirded her out a little bit (laughs) because she finally said well aren't you going to say anything and I just said you know I think I'd rather respond than give you my reaction in this moment in time I'm going to take some time to pray I want to just hear what the Lord has to say about the situation before I tell you anything about what I think right now and I just went away and just took some time to pray and I just long story short I felt like the Lord was saying that it wasn't going to be cancer and um I just I mean that's hopeful how I mean you know that's that's always hopeful but I I felt like the lord was giving me specific direction so I went back and told her I said I felt like this is the, the phrase the lord gave me uh the direction he took me in scripture And uh, I think everything's going to be fine. And and here she's still, she's still kicking, by the way. She's still here waving her hand and lifting her hands and serving Jesus and and praising God. And and when when it was all said and done and they went in to actually do a biopsy, then they just stopped the whole procedure and they said, no, we can tell this is not cancer. I just want to say God has the power. Maybe it was before that. I don't know if it was or if it was a misdiagnosis, but I just believe this is a moment that we need to recognize God wants to anoint the church to chase cancer out of bodies, to chase a away from people to see our family members and friends and and co-workers completely set free what happens if God begins to awaken God's kingdom in the earth in such a profound way that people's lives begin to be transformed more people's lives then begin to be transformed how important is it that we get connected to God's perspective (coughs) how important is it to you that you be connected to God's perspective I want to just say that statement again, it was the blank in your, if you're looking at notes that you find online or in the paper back there. Without exercising discernment, we live in a state of reaction to circumstances rather than responsiveness to God. How many of you know God is your provider? If you really know God as your provider, then when your job starts talking about you might not get paid anymore because you might lose your job, then then you respond to that in a very different way than if you actually think your job is your provider. So my question is, who do you really believe is your provider? Because when the rubber hits the road, that's when our beliefs start to show up. And are we being logical and reactionary or are we being spiritual and responsive? Because God is raising up a people that will be spiritual and responsive in this hour of the church. Jesus fasted and prayed for 40 days. Isn't that crazy? Fasted and prayed for 40 days. And then the Bible says these profound words. Are you ready for this? And then he was hungry. (laughs) I bet. And then it says the devil came and tempted him. Jesus fasted and prayed for 40 days, and then he was hungry, and then the devil tempted him. What do you think the devil tempted him with? That which was logical that which was understandable, that which was justifiable, and that which was demonic. Hey, you're hungry, turn these stones into bread. But Jesus didn't give in to a reactionary disposition, even though he's hungry. He was in a state of disposition of learning and having been trained in the way he was pursuing the Father to respond to God rather than to react to the moment. God is wanting us to get this today. We must learn to respond to God rather than react to the moment. When you find yourself reacting out of frustration, then realize that's exposing a hostility that exists within you that needs to be crushed under the weight of the power of God by getting into the Word, getting into prayer, confessing to somebody that you trust spiritually, that you're dealing with an area of weakness, and that then begins to be dealt with. That hostility then begins to be removed and you. to start moving into a stronger place of the Spirit. This is God's plan for us as believers. He said, get behind me, Satan. I love it. Get behind me, Satan. Man does not live by bread alone, but what every word that comes out of the mouth of my Father, every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And Jesus had been practicing what it was to actually be sustained by the words that come from God. And that's why, in that moment, he had made enough predecisions. We talked about this in the men's event. He had made enough predecisions in the right direction that when it came to the moment of this decision, the culmination of predecisions positioned him to stand strong and stand. Firm, and you need to be paying attention to the predecisions that you are making. If you're making predecisions of paying attention to members of the opposite sex to which you are not married in a way that is inappropriate, looking at things on your phone, in your computer, if you're paying attention to things you shouldn't be paying attention to in your life, and you're lighting up your imagination with these predecision dispositions, then when you stand in a moment of challenge, you will not have the strength to see it through. But if you make the right predecisions, practice what it is to live by the Spirit, even in moments of temptation, then when you stand in that moment of challenge, you will have the strength to see it through. I am saying there is a strength that God is bringing in the hearts of God's people in this hour of the church that we might be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Jesus was saying, my appetites and my ambitions remain with the Father at his table. And the enemy was inviting his appetite to his table. Logical, justifiable, understandable. Get thee behind me, Satan. Same thing he said to Peter. Isn't that interesting? Let's look at some of the predecisions, and this is where we'll land the plane today. Predecisions. Jesus said, by the way, I've been reading in Psalms. The worship team can come on back up. Uh, I've been reading in Psalms and I've been just circling, uh, paying attention to all the places that I think Jesus was reading this. Like Jesus was meditating on the Psalms. Isn't that cool? Think about it. Like when he was on the earth and he was reading scripture, he was reading the things we're reading in Psalms. Like he quotes Psalms a lot. Into your spirit, Lord, I commit my hands is a quote from Psalms. I started realizing the name of uh, the Lord is a big focus in, in the book of Psalms. Everywhere I find it, something about the name of the Lord, the name of the Lord, the name of the Lord, the name of, the Lord, the name of God, the name of the Lord. And, I, and then I started thinking about it while I was reading this. Jesus said, when you pray, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name name. He had been studying and reading the Psalms about the name of the Lord being such an important part. So he's, he's teaching when you pray, this is where we begin. And I'm just trying to absorb and, and think about what it was that was impacting Jesus. What, what was his spiritual dietary substance? And how can I get that more in my own heart, in my own life? And listen to, to how Jesus explains these things. I'm going to give you three portions of Scripture that communicate. Jesus was a man who walked on the earth. Don't Don't be confused. Jesus wasn't sinless and powerful because because he was God. Jesus was sinless and powerful because he was submitted to the Father. He was capable of sin, yet he did not sin. The Bible says he was tempted in every way like you and I are. And then the Bible says these crazy words, in the same way Jesus lived, so you should live too. Like we have the ability to respond to the Father rather than react in a moment. But we have to Train ourselves in these predecisions. John 5:30, Jesus said, By myself, I can do nothing. This is Jesus? He said, I can do nothing? By myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. John 8:28 and 29, I do nothing on my own, but I speak just what the Father has taught me. He's saying I'm connected to what the Father is revealing. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I will always do what pleases him. John twelve forty nine and 50, I have not spoken on my own. Are you hearing the pattern here? But the Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. And I know that His command leads to eternal life. So I speak exactly what the Father has told me to say. I will speak from the Father's eternal perspective. When temptation comes my way, I will respond to the Father rather than react to the stimulus or stimuli that is trying to captivate my attention and take me to the wrong table. I want to stay at the table of the Lord. I want to walk in a state of responsiveness to God. I don't want to be become logical justifiable moving into a state a frame of mind that positions me in a posture of weakness being a defeatable individual and a conquerable state of mind i want to stay in an unconquerable state and frame of mind and we can walk in that type of strength if we'll pay attention to the spirit so do we live in light of eternity do you live in light of eternity Or are we allowing our temporal appetites to take control, producing human reactions and conclusions? And the answer to that is, we're all on this journey at different places in the conclusion to that. The important thing is, are you willing to take a step forward in this journey wherever you are? Hey, you know, somebody in this room is more advanced than the rest of everybody else in this room in terms of what it is to live by the spirit I, I, I realize that. and then somebody in this room is less advanced than anybody else in the room but the beautiful thing about God is like when we stand at the foot of the cross we're all on even ground. and all he's saying is can I just get you to take one step because no matter how far you've gone there's more for you to go in the scope of eternity of growing in your relationship with God would you stand together This is my prayer. I've been praying this lately a lot. Lord, lessen my reaction, deepen my response. Lord, lessen my reaction, deepen my response. I want to just say to you, John chapter 6, verse 45 says, you will all be taught by God. You will all be taught by God. How crazy is that? You will all be taught by God. That means you're to follow the example of Jesus and learn to pay attention to what the Father is revealing in the moment that he's revealing. You will all be taught by God. Here's the beautiful thing Isaiah 54, 13 says, all your children will be taught by God. I don't know if you realize it or not, but you can't give what you don't have. I want to give my children a legacy of knowing what it is to be taught by God, to be led by the Spirit of God. You've got to be willing to engage and go deeper and pursue what is this about? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Do you hunger and do you thirst? Are you hungry and are you thirsty for something more? Or are you relaxed and are you comfortable? I'm chill. It's okay. Don't, don't mess with me, Pastor. Don't ask me to do more stuff or press in harder. It's all good. Jesus, did, Jesus paid it all. I'm going to ask you this week to set something into motion. With a specific and strategic action. We bring God's presence to real life. That's what we do. So, your God's presence to real life action point, what I'm asking you to walk out of here with GP2RL, God's presence to real life. I wanna ask you this week will you purpose some time to fast and pray, reading scripture in the place of at least two meals, asking the Lord to help you live in light of eternity? Jesus fasted and prayed. And then he said, when you fast and pray, not if you fast and pray. When you fast and pray, this is a normal lifestyle for Christians, should be, has been throughout all the ages. I know in the Western world church, that's not so much. But I just want to challenge you, at least two meals this week, fast and pray. Read scripture in the place of the food that you would have normally eaten. In other words, partake in spiritual food because you're hungry for something more. What will happen is the uh, th- those issues of hostilities that exist within you, they will start to have a loud conversation with you saying, what are you doing? I'm hungry. And that is a great time then for you to respond and say, if you don't shut up, you're going to miss meal number two because I'm dealing with some hostilities and you're about to die. So hush, be quiet. I just want to equip you to be who God's called you to be and pay attention to the things of the spirit more than you're paying attention to the things of the flesh. I will also just point you to something, I think it's significant. I, I'm, I was debating to do this or not, but there's a personal blog I do called, it's Pastor Dude, pastordude.com. If you go on there, the guys heard me talking about this weekend, I have a, a prayer that I've written out that I've been praying for several months now. In fact, I started it last year, you can tell by the beginning of the prayer for us, it's the New Year's revelation from last year. It'll take you about 15 or 20 minutes to actually pray through this prayer. But I just started realizing people throughout the ages have written out these incredible prayers of just pursuit of God. Young Yi Cho has an amazing prayer of praying through the pieces of the tabernacle. It takes about 45 minutes to pray through that. I mean, that'd be a great thing to do on your lunch hour when you're not eating one day so you might just go there and you'll see this this uh, particular prayer that I've written on my blog you'll see it The, the glasses are there it's about train yourself in spiritual discernment let me just read you a little bit of what this is we are called to bring God's presence to real life in every realm of society on every level of community Lord you spoke to us in our 2020 New Year's revelation if we can see the invisible we can do the impossible Help us see the invisible in every situation as we fix our eyes on Jesus. Take us into the realm of possibility even where there seems to be no way. Awaken our supernatural faculties, O God. We are your people and you are our God. You are constantly revealing your perspective in every situation. May we learn to respond to you rather than reacting to circumstances. Amos 3, 7 and 8 says, Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. The lion has roared. Who will not fear? The sovereign Lord has spoken. Who can help but prophesy? When the lion of the tribe of Judah begins to roar, we cannot help but prophesy. The decade of the, of the 20s 19, is not like the the decade... Well, you, you, you'll read it better than I will when you're praying. This decade is the decade of the roaring 20s, not like the 1920s, like the 2020s, where the roaring lion of the tribe of Judah is awakening the roar of God in the body of Christ. Help us learn to be sensitive to the roar of God discovered in the revelation of Christ your word says that we can train our senses through the constant use of what you reveal coming to a place of spiritual maturity hebrews chapter 5 verse 14 solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained them themselves to distinguish good from evil i would just encourage you to find that it's not a magic formula it's just an on-ramp to a deeper pursuit and when you engage your heart in a deeper place of prayer just devoting yourself to more God answers that appetite. He answers that appetite. So Lord, uh, we just acknowledge without you, all of this is religious nonsense. If the presence of the Lord is not in the midst of every time we gather, then we've truly missed the point. You didn't die, Jesus, so we could merely go to church. You died so we would rise up and become the church that you've designed us to be, the sons and daughters of God who gather on purpose, who anticipate and expect something of the Spirit in the way we pursue you and walk with you in our everyday lives. In the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, just with your eyes closed, just open your heart, would you? If you're here and you say, man, I just don't know that I'm even walking with Jesus. I want to make sure that I know that I know that I am a born-again Christian. i come to the cross to surrender my life to Christ today, 100%. If that's you, just slip up your hand. I just want to pray for you. Anybody at all? Online, you can make a, a comment, a conversation. Yes, yes, sir, I see that. Thank you. Online, just put a comment in the comment field, and we'll connect him personally. Come on, let's just agree, all of us. Let's pray this prayer. Let's seal the deal in all of our hearts, but let's pray this specifically on behalf of those making a decision. Would you just say this out loud? Say, Lord Jesus. Let's say it really loud. Lord Jesus, you came, you lived, you died on a cross, but you rose from the grave. You are alive. You're who you say you are. You're the Savior of the world. I accept you are my Savior I have sinned and I receive complete and total forgiveness in Jesus mighty name amen amen come on Jesus is Lord he is Lord I remember when I first prayed to receive Christ I had no idea what was about to unfold But man, it's a journey of just walking with him. So let's take just a few moments right now. Would you take everything God's stirring in your heart and let's just bring it to him in a posture of worship before we walk out of here. We'll dismiss in just a few moments. But let's really bring our heart before the Lord. That which God's stirring. And let's give a gift back to him for anything he's been stirring within us during our time together.